Thank you for joining us for another Essence of Adolescence podcast episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Essence of Adolescence podcast. I'm your host, Samara, and thank you for tuning in. I know it's been a hot minute, but I've been wanting to do an episode on this topic for a while now, and I didn't quite know how to approach it. But in the past weekend, I actually went on a retreat, and I met this amazing person, Amani, and she agreed to sit down with me and talk about adolescence and sexuality. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, of course. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And to my understanding, you identify as queer. Yes, I am queer. And... I just wanted to dive into that, and especially as black women as well, yes. kind of exploring that yes. and ultimately that journey. Mm. Um, so as a child, how were you introduced to sex in the first place? Um, okay, this gets, it gets deep really quick. No, it, yeah, yeah. It does get deep really quick. I would say I first understood what sex was when I was five. Okay, this is like getting into trauma areas, mm -hmm. but my parents, my dad and my stepmom would have sex when I was in the same bed. And so I understood what was going on, but I wasn't like involved in or anything, but I understood what was happening, something that I really shouldn't have been a part of or shouldn't have been in the same room mm -hmm. for, obviously. So that's kind of when I understood that. I also understood sex through media. So I watched this uh, movie called Baby Boy. It's kind of a black staple, but it's just about this guy who grows up in the hood. And I'm not too sure what else it's about because I watched it when I was young, but Essentially, one of the scenes, he's a sperm, and he's, like, in the womb. And so that really gave me a perfect visualization of what sex was on a biological level. Mm -hmm. um, and then you go to different circumstances where I would have – so when I was five, I had this – so this is really – this all happened when I was five. Okay. Also, yeah, when yeah. I was five, I had this boyfriend named Christian Fredrickson. Shout out Christian Fredrickson. <laughs> I actually tried to find him recently, and he went to jail. That They really suck. So I, what? Yes, I know. So I went on, you know, just the internet, and I'm like, Christian Fredrickson. And it looks just like him. It looks just like my memory of him. So I think that it's him. That's crazy. Um, but anyway, so I pretended to have sex with him on the little mat mm -hmm. um, and do basically what my parents were doing. Right. And so – that was my like re reenactment, I guess, of what I mm -hmm. assumed that sex was. Um, so I would say I first understood what sex was when I was five. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you you kind of got like a first like literal first hand experience. First hand experience, like yeah. being in that atmosphere. Yes. That probably would you call that a traumatizing moment? Or oh just yeah, that's that's sexual abuse. You're not supposed to have sex with kids when they're in the same bed. You're not mm -hmm. supposed to have sex when kids are in the same room. And, and generally speaking, you're supposed to ask people around you if it's okay mm -hmm. for you to have sex in front of them. Mm -hmm. That's something that um, I didn't have to learn, but that's something that after learning. So I recently only came to terms with that trauma when I was like 18 and a half. Mm -hmm. like, so, and I'm only 19, so you can imagine how that's been affecting me, and I haven't even brought right. that up until then. So um, I would definitely call that a traumatizing moment. So how would you say that affected the way that you approach relationships and right. sex as you got older. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say because it, it happened when I was so young. Mm -hmm. I buried it. I almost acted as if it didn't happen. I really didn't. Even talking about this right now is another step in actualizing that because mm -hmm. I haven't really, you, you're asking me, oh, when did you first learn about sex? I didn't really think about it until right now, but it all happened when I was five. That's mm -hmm. pretty young to learn about sex, no, you know. Yeah. Um, some kids don't even know. Who, like what they are when they're five, right. like awareness. So if I can remember memories of sex as early as five, like that must be pretty important, right? right. I wouldn't know. I would say I'm, I've always been a very sexually promiscuous person. You don't know me very well, but once you get to know me very well, you know, mm -hmm. like, 
there's this there's this kind of like running joke that I'm a hoe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's just, it's just it was a running joke for a while. It started when I broke up with my like a very serious boyfriend I had like right when I turned 18 Mm -hmm. so I turned 18 in December so it's really nice because then I get a new turnover of the year and it's Mm -hmm. not only like I'm a new age it's a new year for me so um it would have been my 18th year and got out this relationship and I just I was banned from tender don't even want to get into it (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah I was banned from tender so I'm I'm a bumble queen I'm using bumble I'm, I'm using Bumble like like nobody's business. I'm Wait. on Bumble. I, it was my shit. Like Bumble was my shit. I I used Bumble as if it was Instagram. Like I, and so I would see somebody. Like at a point, I was seeing somebody every single day. I was oh, wow. having a date every single day. I would go somewhere with someone. Every these are new people. Mm-hmm. You know, I smoke. So that lead that opens a lot of different doors for mm-hmm. for ways to hang out with people, right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, do you want to do this and smoke? Do you want to do that and smoke? Do you want to do that and smoke? Or do you just want to smoke? That's crazy, because right? I'm the exact same way. Yeah. Well, this is a little off topic, but like, do you, you kind of combine smoking like weed w- yes. with like every, every first? Why? Why do you think we? I do that too. <laughs> I feel like that's a problem. Yeah. Is that a problem? Or? I, I mean, I you know that's so like crazy you asked that because I was thinking about that this weekend because you know we're a lot of. Ra- I call them my organization friends. I have mm. out-of-school friends, school friends, and my organization friends. Mm. My organization friends are definitely the most rigid. So when I'm around my organization friends, I'm not talking to them about weed. Imagine me no. talking to, about weed with those people at the retreat. Right. They don't want to hear about that shit. <laughs> they don't want to do weed. Like, they're not trying mm. to smoke. Right. So, you know, even when I'm there and I can't really talk about weed, that definitely cuts off, like, almost like a lane of communication for me. Mm. Yeah. Because it's such a big part of, like, my day-to-day. Right, yeah. So being able to, like, not being able to talk about weed with everybody there, that was kind of restricting. So I don't, right, Bro, yeah, 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 yeah. When I tell you I got high every night at that really? retreat. Really? Oh, I missed fucking out. Bro, uh, I would have loved to have smoked with you. I would have oh loved to you. See, I was, oh, my God. Dang. I regret it so bad. I was because high as fuck. I know. I was, I could tell. <laughs> I really yeah. could. I was, I was trying oh. to scope out the potheads. I was like, who look like they smoke? So did you bring weed or did you like smoke a pen or whatever? I brought my pen. I'm okay, not okay. that brave. Okay, okay. I'm not no, that I brave. brought weed and smoked out the window. I didn't have a roommate. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did all the time. And I'm always trying to always smell like weed. So it's not like, whoa, money is hard and smells like weed. Like, no, I'm always trying. I yeah, feel yeah. like I'm a productive high. Like, not I feel like. I definitely am. Like, I mm. live a very, very fast life. But I also yeah. smoke weed to slow it down. Mm. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a problem. But it's definitely something to think about. Yeah, yeah. So as you got older and you started um uh, I don't know, just exploring a little bit more about your sexuality. Yeah, yeah. How um, did you ever like want to be in relationships as like a child as you got older? Um, so you know, I, you know, this is not an odd story, but I went to predominantly white school mm-hmm. um, growing up until I was fifteen, and then I went to a school that was basically half black and mm-hmm. then um, half everything else, like white everything else, right? Mm-hmm. So growing up, I was never nobody was ever attracted to me. I was also very mm-hmm. like smart and nerdy and and just. You know, I'm I'm autistic. I'm I get weird. Like it can get really weird. <laughs> really? Y- yes, I'm okay. very good at masking, and I've mm. gotten very good at you know seeing people, seeing what they do, being able to do what they do. I'm very great at that. Oh wow! I'm very very good. I, I would almost say I'm a master. I could write a book. I would about never it. be able to tell. No, that's the best part about it. But wow. if you if you get around me for a little time, you'd be like, that's not normal. No, no, people don't do that. They don't do that. Okay. There's some things where it's just like I'm glad that people can't tell I'm autistic because it's just so self-preserving, and mm. that's how good I am at building this shell but on the inside I'm really 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 kind of like confused and I lead with blind confidence to curb the confusion Mm -hmm. so 
if you just kind of think, oh, I know what I'm doing all the time, then you're never going to have these questions of like, oh, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? But that's also like an autistic response to like not knowing social parameters of what's right. actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say, you said did sex affect like my relationship? Right. So when I was younger, I never thought that I would ever be in a relationship. I thought mm-hmm. I was undesirable and I was nerdy and, and nobody liked me. I wouldn't be like, I was ugly. No, I was very skinny growing up. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a household where my family was a little bit bigger than me. So they all desired my skinniness. So I, mm-hmm. I felt desired in that way. I was smarter than most people in my community, so I felt desired in that way. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not light skinned but I'm not super dark skinned So that also puts me at a, you know, mm-hmm. a desirable effect in this way. So to like Eurocentric beauty standards, one hundred percent, right? And I'm also ethnically diverse. I'm Trinidadian, and so okay. that also puts like a little, you know, in the black community, mm-hmm. when you have an ethnic marker, that puts a, it's an ethnic marker. It puts right. a little bit of a difference on you. Yeah. So all these different things, I wouldn't say I had self confidence issues, but I just never thought anybody would like me. So. Mm-hmm. I get to the school when I'm 15, bunch of black people, boom, everybody liked me. Mm. Everybody wanted to be my friend. I'm class president. I'm on varsity tennis. I'm on, I'm the lead in the musicals. It's like heaven. Like I, I wouldn't say like, oh, I peaked in high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I had a good ass time in high school. <laughs> yeah, as I have, you should. Right. I have, yeah. I'm having a good ass time now, but I had a great time in high school and mm. I got a car when I was 16. So I was everywhere. Yeah. I was doing everybody you know you can mm-hmm. imagine like the the freedom i had right especially with a car that just opens up the realm of possibilities and you are go wherever you know. where did you mm-hmm. grow up i grew up in cincinnati so you you kind of know what the lifestyle is where it's like a midwestern city mm-hmm. you, when you got a car that's the vehicle to everything so everything. now you can drive to counties that are like 20 minutes away right. you could drive to the city that's like 20 minutes away you could drive to the the bumfuck which is also 20 <laughs> minutes away yeah. you know what i mean it gives you this certain sense of freedom so right then I knew immediately that I was desirable and mm-hmm. I played into that and I played into like my seductiveness and, and my sexuality mm-hmm. and this like Jezebel spirit really. Yeah. Um, so I would say right when I was 15 and 16 it kicked in and it never kicked out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when did that aspect start to like evolve where you were like, hmm, I'm also into girls as well. So I've never not been into girls. My mom, she, it's <laughs> funny. Okay. I'm really estranged from my mom. I haven't really had like a good, you know, normal conversation with my mom since I was 14. Mm-hmm. I moved out of her house when I was 14. Oh, wow. So I moved out of my dad's house when I was 17, you know? So mm-hmm. in this way, I'm very disconnected from my parents. But when I was growing up, my mom felt this type of like, almost like codependent knowledge of me. Mm-hmm. She felt because we were so close in her eyes that she knew everything about me. So one thing she would say about me, she'd be like, Monty, I know you gay. I know you like girls too. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Because I didn't know I liked girls. I oh, mean, really? I'm not going to lie. So my first kiss was, I was 10. Mm-hmm. And I had a sleepover because it was a going away party. Because I was changing elementary schools. Everybody was going to a different middle school than me. So my parents, you know, at my dad's house, my stepmom's house, they were like, okay, we'll have a little party. Mm-hmm. Had a little party. Me and downstairs, me and Lindsay, we making out in the basement. We talking about we bisexual or whatever. Mm. We fought. I mean, we're, we're 10. Like, we're yeah. we're definitely not, like, I mean, not to say I wasn't bisexual. I've never, that was, like, the only time I've ever said I was bisexual. I've never said that word again in my life to identify really? myself. No, yeah. I would never use that word. Um, because although I always have known I like boys and girls, I would rather say that than say bisexual because bisexual has this weight to it, which sucks. And it sucks that biphobia exists. But I don't want to carry the weight of biphobia on my back when mm-hmm. I tell people about my sexuality. I would much rather just say I'm queer. Um, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, and it, it also, 
it encompasses it better mm-hmm. because not only do I like boys and girls, but I like people who aren't boys. I like people yeah. who aren't girls. Yeah. So my parents kind of found out because my first boyfriend was transgender. And mm-hmm. so they kind of saw that as me having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And because of this, they were like, okay, Manny's gay. Around this time, I started to get like rainbow flags. And I've been into RuPaul's Drag Race since I was like 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of understood that gay aspect. Yeah. And I've always just been a little bit, a little bit weird. Just a little mm-hmm. bit off turn. You, you can see, like, it's it's developed into this really, like, kind of cool weirdness that people are attracted to. But you could mm-hmm. see how young me was just weird in general. Right. Um, and so that definitely was something that I kind of, like, had to cope with. But that weirdness was also a part of my queerness. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. queer in the essence of the word can mean kind of, like, weird or just different from the mainstream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of started discovering that, yeah. did you kind of feel this obligation to hide it, or were mm-hmm. you really embraceive of it because right. it didn't seem like your family, how did, like, how did they respond yeah. to it? So I've never hidden my sexuality, and okay. I've never came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been just, if I have a boyfriend, I have a boyfriend. If I have a right. girlfriend, I have a girlfriend. Yeah. I have a trans boyfriend, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, ever, ever came out to anyone ever. Yeah. That is a very foreign concept to me. No, and I love that. Yeah. Because straight people don't come out. No. So why should we? Why would I ever come out? I right. would never come out to somebody. I feel like if you look at me and you're like, oh, she's straight. You got something wrong with you, too. <laughs> I don't look straight. I don't seem straight. Like, there's nothing about me that's like, oh, this person's heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not something I would think in my mind. So first yeah. of all, if you think that, that's your own prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to mess up, you know, your heterocentric mindset. Yeah. Keep it for you. But if you are inquiring about if I'm gay, then you must want to know for a a reason. Mm -hmm. And once you get the answer, that's your answer. You don't need to. So basically what I'm saying is is my parents don't need to know if I'm gay. I'm not having sex with my parents. My family doesn't need to know if I'm gay. I'm not in a relationship with my family. Mm -hmm. So in this way, I would never come out to them. I'll just show them my relationship. Mm -hmm. So my grandma who is, how old is it? She's 97. Oh, wow. My great-grandma. Um, she called me today asking for my new address, actually. I Aww. love her so much. She's so lit. Like, I love her. But she's I old. I great-grandmas. Right. But she's an old, she's an old 97-year-old white woman. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, so I, I have a white stepmom, so that's mm. how she's my grandma. And mm. um, she grew up in California, though, so she has this very liberal mindset. Yeah. She's very, very pro-gay. Um, she's very pro-black as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting to meet old white ladies like this. But even with her, I never came out. I just oh, wow. I just one day had a girl a gr- or... Did I have a girlfriend? Yeah. One day I had a girlfriend. She was like, oh, Imani has a girlfriend. And Mm -hmm. my sister is non-binary. So having, so before my sister came out as Mm non-binary, I have a cat named Josephine. My cat Josephine uses they, them pronouns. So (laughs) I got this cat because I thought that, you know, I just want to love a cat. But I use they, them pronouns because I was around a friend at the time who used they, them pronouns. I thought it'd be so embarrassing if I messed it up. Just so fucking embarrassing. So you practice. So I practice. But it's. (laughs) I love that. It is. But it's it's funny and lucky enough that my grandma and my great grandma were also practicing. So they're like, how is they? You know, how is they Mm -hmm. doing? I'm like. They is good, Grandma. I love uh, you. Thank that's you so. Us. That's just a cute little way to like practice and help. Cause I know like older generations, like some make fun of it, but like mm-hmm. some just like are truly ignorant of it and they just don't understand. 100%, 100%. And you have to just teach them. Yeah, and some people actually do want to learn. There's just like this disconnect. Mm-hmm. The reason why I know they didn't pronounce because everybody around me identifies non-binary nowadays. Yeah. How many six-year-old six-year-old people you know identifying as non-binary? Yeah. That's just not as common. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely am grateful for this experience. But it was even better because then my sister came out as non-binary. So mm-hmm. she was she they pronouns so when they come out as non-binary and my grandma you know found this out she was already like okay i've been practicing with joe you know so that's something yeah so uh tell us a little bit about your first queer relationship so yeah um 
If that's is, not too personal. No, no, no. It's not. It's it's kind of hard to think about the first one. Oh, okay. That's okay. really what it or is. Or it doesn't have to be the first one. I guess one that was significant to oh. helping your development with your sexuality. Oh, okay. That. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely say um, there's two. Okay. So there's this girl named Michaela. Um... Shout out Michaela. <laughs> I, I really like her. She's still my friend to this day, okay. but I wrote a poem about her, and I'll read it to you. Okay. I really like you, like a lot. I like the way you smile, and I like the way you walk. I like the way you look at me with consistency, and when we're around others, you don't bother to look at me. I like the way you are. I like that I like you. Do you like me too? And so it's this big like thing, like I like her so much and I want her to like me back mm-hmm. so much, but I don't even think she was gay. Like oh. I was, I, and she, she ended up being like, you know, queer now or whatever, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say it's like a forced queerness, but it's just kind of a, I don't know. It's, no, it's, I totally understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah, it's not the same. No, and it's, there's a whole other aspect because it's like, you could like someone, but then you have to go through that whole triumph of are they also you know, queer or into girls as well. Yeah, yeah. And I that I I wrote that poem in sixth grade. Oh, so, shoot. Oh, yeah. wow. So that was so. Like I said, I I I'm discovering I'm having this very intimate relationship with sex from a very early age. Yeah, you were experiencing a lot. One hundred percent. Very young. Very young. So like when I when I seen her already, I already knew what I wanted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking like, oh, I want to have sex with her, but like I wasn't. I don't think I want to. You know what I yeah. mean? Like so. But I'm also thinking, what does a six year old or like a, yeah like know about sex? Or like, a lot, <laughs> apparently. A, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot more than you think. When your parents are having sex in the same bed as you, yeah. you you pick up on some stuff, right. or or what you think you pick up on. Mm-hmm. And then when you're watching this media where you're being hyper exposed to sex, you don't know some stuff. Right. You got your phone in your hand. I had a Nook tablet when I turned eight. That's a yeah. pornography tablet. The hell? Right. Like, yeah, the you can look up XXX <laughs> XXX black big booty. What right. did you think I was doing? Like Honestly, what the hell? Yeah. So that was the first one because it kind of put me familiar with somebody. You know, you like it and then like you back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the one that probably defined my queerness was when I was 15. Yeah, and I had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. His name's Jordan Cole, mm-hmm. um, and Jordan Cole's trans. And so dealing with, not dealing with, but being in a relationship with someone who's trans is complex because you yeah. have to include their trans identity into what's going on. Additionally, I'd never met a trans person before in my life, oh. and transness was a very new thing to happen. So this was when I was 15. So this would have been four or five years ago. So that would have been 2015, 2016. Mm. That's, that's low-key. Donald Trump was still in office. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, he was just yeah. getting into office, so you mm-hmm. can see the the atmosphere around sexuality mm-hmm. it changed very quickly yeah. within even the past year or two mm-hmm. so um being with Jordan Cole was very eye-opening for me because I didn't really know a lot about transness. I made a lot of mistakes with mm-hmm. transness and, like, sometimes misgendering him, which I will never... Like, I just won't do it again because I've had enough practice, but yeah. that was my first, you know, my, my mm-hmm. first trans person I ever yeah. interacted with. So. You can't be hard on yourself. Like, you were learning. Yeah, and, and I was young. I was very young, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something to think about, and it definitely framed the way I thought about relationships for the rest of my time in relationships because Jordan Cole didn't really like me. Like, I liked Jordan Cole, and mm-hmm. I was just really, like, fascinated with Jordan Cole, and I just thought, Jordan yeah. Cole was so cool and so cute. And I love that you're calling him by her full name too, Jordan oh, Cole. <laughs> oh, it's and that's funny because Jordan Cole, it's um, it's Jordan Cole blank. Like it's Jordan Cole. Mm-hmm. Their last name was something else. Okay, okay. their name is it's a oh, one. Oh, Jordan name. Cole is a one name. Oh, okay, yeah. that's kind of cool as fuck. That's but, so cool. Yeah, it's it's funny because I still am the only person who calls them Jordan Cole. Like I, oh. I his everybody else calls him Jordan. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an intersectionality that exists between being queer but then also a person of color. Yes. Do you think that the way you explored your sexuality was in any way impacted by the fact that you were also a person of color? 
yes. I'm trying to think about how, um, or I guess how not, because mm -hmm. it affects everything. Like nothing, nothing I do is without the swiftness of me being a black woman, but um, yeah, it definitely, it aligns every single situation, everything that I do, mm -hmm. who I approach, how I approach them with what gusto, you know, yeah. all these different things. So it definitely affected that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something regarding sexuality, yeah. like what yeah. would you want her to know? It's crazy because I just, I feel like I just did such a good job of never putting too much pressure on myself, never feeling straight, never feeling gay. You know what I mean? Like I've just always been just exactly who I am unapologetically. Mm -hmm. So if I was to give advice to myself, um, I guess, you know, I would just tell myself, Try, try to help out others more if you could. Mm. Because I was good. Like, as far as sexuality went, I was good. There's nothing I could tell myself back then that I wouldn't have just found out mm. or, you know, I should have found out slowly. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty. I just, I think that, you know, it's hard to say because, okay, I'm being too realistic about no, this. No, no, but I'm like, if I was back in time, you know, I don't want to mess up my timeline. No, nah, I feel that. Yeah, I like, because it was just such a... It's Everything such a, happens for a reason. Yeah, it's yeah. just such a good timeline. So it's like, I don't really know what I would tell my younger self. Um, but if I could tell her something about just relationships in general, mm -hmm. um, don't get in a long-term relationship in high school. Mm, that would okay. have saved me so much grief. That would have saved me homes. That would have mm. saved me time, money, effort. That would have saved me years of trauma. You know what I mean? So, I feel that, yeah. So I just shouldn't have gotten to a long-term relationship in high school. So, yeah. I So I admire you and envy how, like, open you were with your sexuality growing mm. up. Because I personally, like, I realized I liked girls, and then I was like, oh. What's your sexuality? Um, I would say I'm, I'm gay, okay. I would say. Yeah. But I, like... I don't know. I definitely suppressed it and was like, because yeah. mm. your parents or yeah, in the atmosphere. I mean, I grew up in a school where like gay was like an insult yeah. or something. Oh, okay. Like, oh, that's gay. Right. Cincinnati, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like, yeah, I didn't want to embrace that. And so like hiding it and then just being like, fuck it. And just showing up, showing going home with a girl and just like not telling anybody. Yeah. Like, that's being what secretive. Yeah. Not okay. tell anybody. Okay. Like I had girlfriends. My family didn't know. Yeah. Nobody knew. Do they know now? Yeah, they know now, oh, and they're they? they're accepting of it. Oh, okay, good. But you know, there's also like, oh, it's just a phase. You know, yeah, 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 there's that aspect. She's not gonna marry nobody this right. game. Yeah, know? right. Mm -hmm. So I admire how you were able to like accept and embrace it. Like, do you have any, like, if say some young gay girls watching? Yeah. How can she feel better about herself? You know, in that you sense? can feel better about yourself by knowing that nobody else is is like you. Like nobody else is going to have your same sexuality. Even if you're gay and I'm gay, we're both not the same type of gay. Right. Everybody has their own different, you know, sexuality and different journey. And and I would say, stop looking to idiots like fucking me to tell you about your sexuality and look inside yourself. You know, mm -hmm. like, um, the way I found out that I was gay was by being alone, by being with myself and being like, what do I actually want? Like, what's really, really, what do I desire mm -hmm. from not only life, from relationships, from from myself? Like, what what do I want? And I think, yeah, make yourself the main character. This I hate the main character syndrome that no, everybody's experiencing. <laughs> but it's that's, true. yeah, it's definitely how I live my life. Mm -hmm. I live my life thinking Imani is the main one and the only one. You know, everything I do is for myself. I connect everything back to how will this help me? Mm. And some people might think that's selfish, but I've gotten pretty far by doing that. And mm. I would say that anyone who hasn't just isn't thinking about themselves enough. Mm. What will help you? What is best for you? 
you know, coming out isn't always best for everybody. Right. You know, it's telling everybody you're gay, that's not always good. So just being selfish, I would say, be mm -hmm. more selfish with, with your pursuits of who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw like videos on YouTube of like somebody saying, I'm coming out and like they did all this like extravagant yeah, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, am I gonna have to do that? Am like, I gonna, it no. sets an expectation, right? Yeah. And that's and where, like a trend. yes, we have to stop looking towards those goofballs who were making a, a, a a spectacle of their sexuality mm -hmm. and just be fucking normal. Yeah. That's something I say all the time. Um, just be normal <laughs> because, <laughs> no, it, but it really it it encapsulates what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Be whatever you think is normal. Be that and stop mm -hmm. being outside of that so that you can not fit in, but like try to appease to some type of standard. Mm -hmm. And that was something that you know the longer I I grew up and I was like, what piece of advice like shaped who I am? Mm -hmm. I remember. In fifth grade, we were having an assembly preparing for sixth grade. And one of the kids, you know, the person was like, if you could give it some advice to these students, like, what would you say? Mm -hmm. And they were like, be yourself. And it was so cliche. And I was like, yay, be yourself. Like, okay, mm -hmm. now I'm going to get fucking bullied. Now I'm not going, now I don't have friends. Now I don't have a girlfriend. Like, now I can't even do anything. <laughs> yay, being myself. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that's what got me the furthest. If you mm -hmm. know anybody who knows me, they know that I'm unapologetically myself. And you can feel that immediately when you, spe when you speak to me. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's just gotten me so far. So I would just really say, like, it's so, so cliche. But I'm so glad I heard that in fifth oh, yeah. grade because it shaped who I am for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even think it's a cliche. It's just classic. And classic, that's why we yeah. Say that's it. a good way to put yeah. it, yeah. Did you ever feel, like, a pressure to, like, define your sexuality? Never. Never, 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 never. Mm -hmm. I remember I was, this is so funny you ask. Oh, my God, you just brought up a really... <laughs> fond memory that I have um, of a friend whose name is John I really love John but we went to church together so mm -hmm. you don't know this about me but I stopped being Christian when I was 18 uh -huh. I was a hardcore Christian mm -hmm. my church was accepting of gay people we even had a booth in the St. Louis Pride Parade so we were oh, very pro-gay pro-black church mm -hmm. you know our preacher was a white man preached about Black Lives Matter our congregation mm -hmm. was Chinese and white very diverse situation oh, wow. going I on. love that yeah never so hear of that. yeah so yeah. I was definitely you know not in a church that was homophobic or mm -hmm. You know, that type of thing. So I'm talking to John, and we're in confirmation. Confirmation is all about figuring out if you want to be Christian or not. He knew he didn't want to be Christian. He also thought he was gay. Mm -hmm. So he took this test basically trying to decide if he was gay or not, and he was really encouraging me to take it. I'm not going to take that. No, I don't need yeah. to take a test to tell me I'm gay. I want to fuck your bitch. Right. I know I'm gay. Oh. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, no, I don't need a test to tell me what I, what I really mm. know inside, which is that I'm gay. I don't need to. He yeah. was like, but it tells you the level of gay you are. It tells you, like, the, the scale. Level. Yeah, because mm. it told you numbers and stuff. And he's a Virgo. He, he loves <laughs> analytics and things like this. Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't give a fuck. I'm just gay. Right. I'm just me. So, yeah. you know, shout out to John because he, he put that moment to my mind. But I, I never ended up taking that test. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I really, I really appreciate him. For, for trying to get me to find myself as well as he thought he did. You know what? It's funny about that. John came out as gay to his parents that year. He was like having crushes on boys, blah, blah, blah. John mm -hmm. is straight. John is straight as hell. What? John is straight and likes girls and is straight as hell now. Stop dying his hair purple and he's straight now. Stop dying his hair yeah, purple. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it definitely was a phase mm -hmm. for him, which was interesting because that's mm -hmm. not typical. Yeah. But I've definitely especially for guys. 100%, mm -hmm. especially in, this, in the setting that we were. But mm -hmm. it was just so comfortable to be gay in our environment. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting how he did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think, like, for kids that are just, like, 
in atmospheres where it's not mm-hmm. embraced, how mm-hmm. should they deal with that? Like, yeah, because then it builds like internalized homophobia. It does, and like just just all the repercussions of that. I think are mostly negative. It it is. How should they deal with that? You know, I'm not gonna tell you to come out to your parents. Don't do mm-hmm. it. Don't do it. If you want a house, don't do it. If you want Honestly. food, don't do it. If you want a family, don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Not everybody needs to know you're gay. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I think. You know, and I can understand why people want to share with everybody why they're gay and all these discoveries that happen. But just kind of like I told John, if you know, you know. You don't have to tell everybody. Uh, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you don't have to tell everybody. That's just like telling everybody, like, each person you've had sex with. Like, yeah. you just don't. Everybody mm-hmm. don't need to know. And that's not something that you have to necessarily keep a secret or keep on the hush-hush or, you know, disguise who you are in order to fit in. But you don't need to blatantly say, I'm mm-hmm. gay to everyone, although it can give you a certain sense of satisfaction. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not worth it. And take it from me. Sometimes it's not worth it. Wait, have you had an experience? I've seen firsthand what that can do to some people. Mm-hmm. Help, like, luckily, my parents were not um, so unaccepting of... They, 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 it was more so a joke. It's a joke rather mm-hmm. than until until now where I'm like, I literally have a girlfriend and like we're finna get married. Like I'm gay. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like before before this, like it was basically just kind of like a joke that Imani's gay or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had persisted. It persisted from when I was 10 and now I'm about to be 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know. It's not a phase. It's not a phase. So right. my family was becoming more comfortable with it. But. You know, especially if you're in places where not everybody's gay, you have to give people the opportunity to learn who you are, Mm -hmm. to learn what being gay means to you. Does that Mm -hmm. mean what I've been seeing on the media? Does that mean what I know about non-binary people? Does that mean you're some type of he, they, they? You know, Mm -hmm. you know how people get. I'm not a, I'm not a man. I'm a, I'm not a they, they, I'm not. You know, they get all (laughs) defensive and shit like that. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely something you got to get used to. Is that you're understanding yourself, and just as you're learning who you are, everybody's learning about you too, and that's Mm -hmm. not an easy process. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think that obligation? in the first place comes from to come out in the first place like videos videos come on social media videos mm. ain't nobody in the 90s thinking i should come out to my whole family is gay no mm-hmm. they're living their metropolitan lifestyle and going to hang out with their gay yeah. people and going to the gay communities going to the gay clubs quote-unquote acting gay quote-unquote dressing gay mm-hmm. quote-unquote living a gay lifestyle everybody knows they're gay ain't nobody coming out for example mm. Um, James Bond. Yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Don't you think about the metrosexuals of the '90s, or or the the just the the gay stylists of mm-hmm. the of the 2000s, or the people who were helping Paris Hilton out? Are they gay? Fuck yeah. Do we know? Hell yeah. Would they ever come out? Absolutely not. Cause that's some weirdo <laughs> shit. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Coming, yeah, coming out Honestly. of something. Coming out of something that's kind of done for attention. It's when you mm-hmm. want everybody to draw attention to your sexuality. And you want to tell everybody this new discovery you found. Sure, mm-hmm. that's fun. That's cool, and it's good for a video. But what about the repercussions that are going to follow? Yeah. I've never. Never, 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 never felt the need to come out or make a video about that shit ever. Um, it's kind of cringy too. Like I'm not gonna don't lie. Don't it just sound kind of weird? <laughs> yeah. Like it just sound kind of like, yeah, it kind of cringy. Yeah. Like it's it's <laughs> it's kind of like a Tumblr mindset of something mm. to do where it's like you're literally living in the past. Like, but also for the time that it was, so I would say coming out videos from like 2009 to like 2014, 2015, mm. it was pretty appropriate. It did get people very comfortable with the idea yeah. of gay people, right? Mm-hmm. It did give us this new like precedent and you know this really nice envelope to kind of slip into, but people were gay before coming out videos. Yeah. People came out before coming out videos. Mm-hmm. Coming out videos are corny. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know James Baldwin was a gay man until like I a year ago. I was literally just about to talk about James Baldwin. I literally was because mm-hmm. I was like, James Baldwin even says in a lot of his interviews, I'm gay, what are you mm-hmm. gonna do about it? Hit me? He mm-hmm. says that in a lot of them because they're not going to do shit. Yeah. And people still had them on, on their TV shows. People still publish his books. People still read his media. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, people don't come out. People just are yay. Yeah. In real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're moving towards a world where being gay is 
normalized to the point where like no like nobody has to like even say it mm. do you think we're like headed towards that direction mm. in the cities of america meaning chicago la maybe even st louis like miami mm-hmm. new york yeah in the counties of america no and also the rest of the world no mm-hmm. so it's yeah. really specific towards cities in america mm-hmm. you can maybe even say cities in the western developed world like some cities in britain like london probably pretty comfortable to be gay there or but if you go to lagos nigeria you can be killed for being gay um, if you go to the country, so I'm Trinidadian, where I'm from, you're not allowed to be gay there. That's illegal. They just made gay sex legal like four years ago. Um, and that's what they call like anal penetration. They just mm. made that legal. It was illegal before that. Yeah, that's, that's right. They got down to the specifics of what right. anal penetration like, was. Like, and then so, they made it illegal. That's so like, yeah, that's so personal. Like, why does that it's even so be personally about? oppressive? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. So. And if I went there, like, my marriage not be recognized. I don't know if I'd ever introduce my grandma to my girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm. those type of things. Um, and then literally anywhere else. Like, literally anywhere. Maybe, like, if you go to Mexico City, like, I could see some acceptance. But if you went to the outskirts of rural area, no. It's all about how fast information is getting out to people. Yeah. How do you think we change that? Like, how do we... Um, yeah. You know... <laughs> I mean... Yeah. That's it's, hard. I don't even know no, but the it's, answer to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I definitely think that... I think there's some analogies that I can make. Like, being gay in a society where mm-hmm. everybody else probably won't be gay or probably can't come out as gay is almost like, um, you know, if you're in a group of all of your friends mm-hmm. and, you know, one of your friends has painted nails, right? Okay, so everybody else is not about to paint their nails. Like, right. you know, painting nails isn't necessarily, you know, common, but I'm not mad at you for painting your nails. Painting your nails can be fun and cool, right? But, you know, don't expect everybody to paint their nails. Like, some people Mm -hmm. just aren't going to paint their nails, and that's totally fine. Like, sometimes painting nails aren't for some people. And I think that as queer people, something to remember is that actually sometimes people are really straight. Like, some people are straight. (laughs) Don't tell me that. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know that. You know, like, don't get the homophobia away from me. But Uh, no, it it, it sucks. (laughs) Number one, it sucks to hear. And it's also hard to deal with that. Yeah, sometimes people are just straight. And yeah. and most people are actually straight and actually mm-hmm. want to be with someone of the opposite sex. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody's going to be gay. So I don't necessarily think that it has to change everywhere, you know. Um, I think that there should be a general blanket of acceptance mm-hmm. for all things that are different. That means skin color. That means, you know, colorism, mm-hmm. texturism, like all these different things. Those should be accepted. Um, I think a lot of times as gay black women, we can sometimes get into the semantics of gay like, you know, diaspora problems, Mm. when we should be focused on black diaspora problems. Mm. So as gay black women, talking about gay problems, we can't fix gay problems because gay problems are white problems. And white problems have to be fixed by white people. But as... Um, That makes sense. Yeah, right? So it's like, why would I go and try to change white queer media? They're going to change it. They're going to change it in time. They're going to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. But... That's not necessarily something that I'm going to do, right? Yeah. But when I go into my black queer spaces, when I go into black, it's almost like I don't even have to do too much changing. All the right. black people know what's up. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that matters. So I'm not going to lie to you. My girlfriend is white. My girlfriend mm-hmm. is a white Spaniard. So she's, like, mm-hmm. from Spain. And, you know, she speaks Spanish, whatever, family Spanish. But she's mm-hmm. white at the end of the day. Yeah. And so that definitely affects, like, how that plays into my relationship. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was very ashamed of having a girlfriend that was white. But I oh, loved really? her. Yes! <laughs> but I loved her so much. I'm very pro-black. If you know mm-hmm. me, you know that. Like, I'm very, you know, into my community and mm-hmm. into into being a, a gay black woman. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I love her, and I can't really, like, fight the love that I have for her. For what? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just mm-hmm. love her. Yeah. You know, I can't really explain too much about it. And so that definitely affected how my blackness 
it affected mm-hmm. my blackness, period. I felt yeah. like I wasn't black enough. I felt like my friends wouldn't like me as much as I brought her around. Like, I felt like, you know what I mean? Like, a no, shame. Like, you, mean, yeah. you know, like, what would my, what would my sisters think if I dated another white girl? Like, oh, I'm going backwards. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. I was on, I was talking to this girl, and I was going to bring her to this cookout at the 4th of July. Yeah. And it was my black friends, and this girl was yeah. white. And I hated that they were like no don't do that yeah because, because it was there's like a disconnect like yeah. and so like dating within your race did you ever stick to that or you just didn't you were just like open? it's crazy you ask because i actually had a situation where i had a cookout mm-hmm. i had a cookout and everybody was invited except my girlfriend what? she wasn't invited and i told her she couldn't come and uh okay. it was only for black people only for people of color wow. and i stood by that mm-hmm. and so i'm on the i'm on the side that your friends were on mm-hmm. you know what i mean where it's like yeah. but also i'm on your side too i have a white girlfriend no, so yeah. i want to bring her to the cookout mm-hmm. but at the same time i care about my community enough to know that even when it's just one person one white person yeah even when they're not saying anything it fucks up the vibe it fucks up the vibe <laughs> leave your hydro flask at home leave your hydro <laughs> flask at home and my my white girlfriend she's not like that you know no, but yeah. but at the end of the day she's still white she's not black right so i don't want her to be at every single black event i met mm. some things are just for <laughs> black people yeah. and that's something that uh, black people we need to have that sacred space yeah. we mm-hmm. need to be able to have places where it's just for black people where white people aren't seeping through because you got a white partner mm. fuck your white partner <laughs> and fuck my white partner like Honestly, who gives yeah. a fuck like I, and, and that comes from person somebody who has a white partner mm-hmm. i've only had serious relationships with white people yeah. So that's someone who has been dating white people for yeah. their whole entire life. Mm-hmm. My grandma told me, you can wear it, marry a white man. That was like her dying. <laughs> that was her deathbed note that she said to me as she was dying. What? Like, that's some shit that it sticks with you in your mind. Like, I think about that yeah. every day. Like, I mm-hmm. trying to prove my grandma wrong, trying to not date a white person. But at the end of the day, you just can't fight it. If you love somebody right. who's white, you love them. But if you love your community, you're going to leave spaces for just your community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So not not letting race kind of play a part at all. Yeah. In your decision for making a relationship. One hundred percent. It doesn't matter because she's white. I don't like her because she's white. Right. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I don't dis. I mean, I, I dislike her a little bit because she's white. But because <laughs> <laughs> because I love her, uh, it trumps all of these like kind of like mis not misconceptions but prior beliefs I have about white people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that she's a person. She's not a. She's a white person, but mm-hmm. she's also a person. She's First. just yeah. She's just a normal person. So like right. <laughs> she's gonna do normal people things that normal people mm-hmm. do. Excuse me. And her being white is you know going to take place and and play into all of her interactions. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily have to mean it's a bad thing. Yeah. She'd be paying for everything. Oh, I she, take that. She paid for everything. Oh, shit. She okay. paid for everything. Maybe maybe I should only date white people. Too. No, but you know what I mean? That property value, that that, that generational wealth. Like, are we going to not talk about that? Oh, my like, God. Like, that's something that's, that's honestly. Something, yeah. So, you know, what am I getting? Property value, privilege, generational wealth. I'm getting a Spanish citizenship if I marry her. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm just sitting here like, oh, I, I, white people. No, white people benefit me. Right. So, honestly, yeah. it's their assets at this point. Their assets. And, you know, I love her, but I also yeah. have to think about those those funny little parts of our relationship mm. to get the seriousness out of my mind that I really don't think I should be dating a white person like wow, in my really? heart 100% like it 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 pains me and my ancestors to 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 date a white person because mm. White people are slave owners. Like, not mm. to be dramatic, but white people killed us, beat us, enslaved us up until about now. They're still doing it everywhere around yeah. the world. They still have power. They still oppress people. Can't forget that. Yeah. But 
that's not her life. That's not the mm-hmm. life she leads. That's not the life that she participates in. And she's not racist. Mm-hmm. And she didn't grow up racist. And she has put an effort into unlearning racism, which mm-hmm. some black people don't even do. Yeah, I've, I've dated black people who are more racist than any of the white people I've ever dated. 100%. Yeah. Towards black people. They hate black people. <laughs> so, like... Yeah. You know, all these different factors play into the reason why I'm just like, you know what, Imani? Love who you love. Mm-hmm. Value your community. Those things don't have to go together all the time. Right. Like like the person the person you love and the person you share your life with can, can be someone a little bit different than who you are with in your community. Those things mm-hmm. don't have to perfectly yeah. coexist. Now, for some people, they do. Some people, like, your partner is the person you hang out with, the person you have friends with. But for me, that's not the type of life I want to live. No, yeah. I think you guys would get into each other's space too often. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. If I have a partner, even if they're black, I don't want them to know my friends too well. Right. I don't want them to be all in my friend, but you know what yeah. I mean. I don't want them to be super close to my friends. So if, even if I have a white partner, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be all up in my friends' business. Yeah. Hang out with us when you hang out with us, but I don't. I'm not dating you so you can relate to my community. Mm-hmm. I'm dating you so you can relate to me. Mm. And I'm not. You know, I'm not only a part of my community. I'm also just who I am. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever gotten into any, like, issues because, like, racial yes. differences? Yes. Are you comfortable sharing anything? Yes, of course. I'm comfortable sharing anything. So it was actually really hilarious because she was very upset that she couldn't come to the cookout. Okay. Um, she was more so upset because I didn't tell her she couldn't come. So I invited her best friend because her best friend is black. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of fucked, bro. <laughs> Okay, I didn't only invite her best friends. I invited, like, a I'm good amount of her friends. <laughs> so, yeah, but she wasn't allowed. It wasn't for white people. Right. But that's how strict I am. That's how you can. And this was something I felt good about because I'm like, oh, I'm so devoted to my race for mm-hmm. doing this. But, you know, I'm also feeling like I'm devoted to her. Yeah. And I love her because I love her enough to separate the two. Mm-hmm. I love her enough to know even though you're my girlfriend, you're also white. And that's something that I'm going to put into factor here when I'm bringing you around other people because I love you and I don't want you to get around these people and make them uncomfortable, right? So that's just something I did as a favor to her. So she was upset, though, about the way that I told her. I didn't really tell her in a nice way. She was like, oh, I'm coming to the cookout. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Saying it back, I'm a really shitty person. No, no. You respect your your realms, your atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I I do respect the space that I'm in. And I can create spaces for she and I that are fun and beautiful, loving, life-changing, the best. That's my girl. Girlfriend, I love her. Yeah. I want to marry her. I call mm-hmm. her esposa, which means wife in Spanish, because mm-hmm. that's what she is to me. That's truly my partner, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I live a life outside of my partnership. Right. I live a life outside mm-hmm. of, she doesn't define my identity. I do. Mm-hmm. And so that was a moment, a uh, identity-defying moment where I had to tell her, like, no, and I'm not going to be nicer about how I said it. You're white, and you're not coming. If you're mad about it, talk to your ancestors. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. I, don't give a, I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. But it was kind of mean. It was kind of harsh, and kind of led to some, you know, kind of, you know, I just wasn't being very nice. But I, I just didn't feel like I owed her niceness. But the complexities behind a relationship and also race, Mm -hmm. this was a perfect place where it played into. Do I owe her kindness in this moment where I'm telling her she can't come to my all black cookout? Mm -hmm. Do I? The questions are, you know, it's up in the air. So I love, I love that you mentioned like allowing certain things to define you. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of kids, especially in our generation, like they allow their queerness, their gayness, their sexuality yes. to be their whole personality. Yes. Like, what's the problem with that? And, like, why do you think that's becoming a thing? I think that, so this is a thing in America. We're very into identity politics. We are mm-hmm. all about the identity. Who are you? What are you stand for? Who is this? Who is that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. all about identity. So when you find out your identity, you stick 
to it. You stick to it like Velcro. And you're thinking to yourself, everybody needs to know my identity. Everybody, I need to put this out. So that's why you see people on social media. Also on social media, one thing about this is when you get popular on social media, you're supposed to be popular for that thing. Mm. That's why you saw that lady who like glued her wig on with Gorilla Glue Bro. doing it again. <laughs> Doing she, she did it again. Yeah, she did it again. You're kidding. No, she did it again for oh, views on a live. God, um, that and that's so something. Good. That's something that happens a lot. So this is mm-hmm. an example. You have to. You people these days. They not people these days, but I think specifically now we play into our identity politics a lot. Mm, yeah. um, for me, I'm lucky because I'm a beautiful black woman. I have many different facets of my identity. Right, yeah. So some you know white people and they're queer, they can go into their queerness, but where else? They can go into the black space. They can go in. You know, sometimes they can't even go to the creative space. Right. For me, I'm black queer, creative, Trinidadian, you know mm, what I mean? There's right. so many different effects of my diaspora that I can't just cling to one. Right. I have to be everywhere. So it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, you'll yeah. see people famous online that are like only famous just because of the fact that they're gay and yeah. like or something else. Like, yeah. yeah that's Ellen. Crazy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. No, Ellen, she paved the way or whatever. But yeah. yeah. She got canceled, right? Yeah, she did because she was just, she used to be a normal, mean old white person just not being a suit, as nice as she could have to yeah. her black guest on her mm-hmm. show um, and also not giving as much money and stuff as to black people as she should have. Oh, you know, for real? Really, yes. I didn't yes. Know that. She would have black people on her show and be like, you get a lifelong supply of vans or something or, you know, <laughs> but then you got the mm-hmm. guy, the Alex from Van okay this is just an example but there was a black kid who got like he like was got famous for like reading a book or something he got the book mm-hmm. and then you know the guy Alex from the White Vans right mm-hmm. yeah. he didn't even record the fucking video he wasn't even the guy who recorded the video what? he was just the guy who was in it and he got a lifelong supply of Vans right from Ellen so you can mm-hmm. see the, the, the difference yeah. between those two so that definitely exists it's like the difference between Ellen and her guests mm-hmm. and she got called out for that so that's why she got cancelled but right. yeah you know I definitely think that people just have to remember that who you who you are isn't just one thing. You're not mm-hmm. just gay. Yeah. You're not just black. Mm-hmm. You're not just an activist. You're not just this, that, and the third. Something about me is that I wear many hats and I tell everybody about them. I'm a producer. I'm a nail tech. I have a podcast. I'm a student. You know? Yeah. I, I, I'm a lover. I have a girlfriend. You know, I have a big community network of black people at Loyola that I'm very connected with and mm-hmm. I have community. Yeah. There's so many different aspects of my identity. Not like you can never know who I am, but I'm always changing and developing. Mm-hmm. I think we just kind of need to give our, ourselves room to grow and develop and not get so quickly attached to the first identity we find out about ourselves. Mm-hmm. What if you find another one that's even better? I love that. On that note, thank you so much for coming on my show. You have no idea how happy I am. Yes. Um, and thank you, everybody else, who for tuning thank in you. to today's episode. And I will hear from you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another Essence of Adolescence podcast episode.